So turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. This is where we left off two weeks ago. And if you weren't here two weeks ago, really, if you want to get a good jump start on what you're going to hear today, because we can't review everything, go listen to it. Go to faithheights.org, click the media tab, and check out recent messages. Check out the video. Check out the audio. It's all free. You can download it. You can listen to it. And I believe it's entitled, two weeks ago, I believe it was entitled, What is Trouble? And we talked about the true heavenly definition of trouble. The true heavenly definition of trouble is opportunity to see God fix things supernaturally. Opportunity to see God work in the earth. That's all trouble is. Devil wants you to tell trouble is your worst day of your life. Trouble is the end of your marriage. Trouble, no, all trouble is is an opportunity for God to show up. God loves undoing the works of the enemy. He loves undoing the works of sickness. Let him. And so really, you get to the point you realize all trouble is is another opportunity to act on God's word and see his power. Pretty soon you're not so bummed out about trouble. You're more like, wow, here's an opportunity to see God's power show up. And there's certain things you can do for that to happen. So 2 Corinthians 12, Paul was in a situation of great trouble. And he's praying that God would take away the trouble. And Jesus said in verse 9, my great, well, actually verse 8, he said, for this thing, for these problems, I begged the Lord three times, prayed three times that it might depart from me. Anybody ever prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and didn't get any answers or results? Well, Paul did the same thing. He had to learn some things. We're going to have to learn some things. Huh? How many of you know you got to watch out about praying for something the Lord's already given you? Jesus said, Paul, listen, I don't need to take this thing away, okay? My grace is sufficient for you. Is that the next verse? For this thing I, I sought the Lord three times. And Jesus said unto me, Paul, my grace is. You already have something at your disposal. Appropriate it. Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Then Paul got a revelation. Oh, I have the wrong attitude during these problems. When Paul switched his attitude, he saw victory in his life. This is a lesson we all need to get. Paul said, oh, okay, well, instead of begging the Lord for this thing to leave, this problem to leave, most gladly, everybody say gladly. gladly. <laughs> that has a lot to do with your attitude right there. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory, and one word for glory is rejoice in my infirmities, that so something can happen. Come on, is, does God need us to be in a certain attitude so he can do certain things for us? You know he does. And friend, listen to me. If, if you never do anything out of the ordinary, you're never going to see anything out of the ordinary. Paul's not doing something here he feels like doing. He's doing something here he's choosing to do because of what Jesus told him. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. He changed his attitude and he saw God's grace and he was set free, delivered, protected, lifted up, and finished his course with joy. Amen. See, he's waiting for Jesus to take away the problems. Jesus is waiting for Paul to get a better attitude about this situation. Now, notice he didn't say, most gladly will I therefore glory for my infirmities. God didn't give him these problems. He's saying right in the middle of this junk the devil's throwing my way, I praise God because his grace is sufficient for me. 
I'm coming out of this. I'm going to finish my course. I can't do the will of God with all these problems dogging my tracks. Paul knew. So what happened? He had to go from praying to saying something. Right? Isn't that what it says? You don't see him praying for God to take away these problems anymore. You see him saying something. What's he saying? Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in my weaknesses. Now, we could put the word so in there, and it wouldn't change the scripture at all. So that. How many want so that? Yeah. Anybody want so that? Yeah. Turn to your neighbor and say, I want so that. <laughs> so that what? So that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What activates the power of Christ in your life? Come on, somebody tell me, what activates healing power coming into your life and driving out cancer? What activates that? Not just God wanting it. He wants everybody set free. What activates these things in your... What activates the power in your life to make depression leave forever? What activates that power? Huh? The previous phrase. Most gladly, therefore, will I glory in mine infirmities so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He's not praising God and thanking God for problems. He's saying in the midst of it, I will not let it get me down. Jesus has paid way too great a price. Right? He shed his blood. He redeemed me from the curse. I'm coming out of this. I'm going to finish my course with joy. I'm going to do the will of God. And this stuff can't hold me back any longer. When he got that attitude, the power of God came on him. And he didn't need to pray anymore that the Lord would take away the problem. We need to get these things straight. See, this is equipping. We talked about this earlier. This is equipping. You need to know what to do when trouble comes. Because ready or not, here comes trouble. I'm not talking to people that have made a bunch of mistakes and terrible sinners. Trouble comes to everybody. Every person. Good people. People that are in the will of God. Trouble comes. Are you ready or are you not ready? Say, I'm getting ready. Say, I will be ready. So this is important. You need to realize he's, he's, he's doing something he doesn't feel like doing. He's doing something out of the ordinary that a lot of people think he's a little flaky for doing, glorying in your infirmities. But what he's doing is he's believing that what Jesus told him is true. His grace is sufficient for me. Why would I be down? Why would I be all frustrated and flustered in the midst of my trouble if his grace is sufficient for me? He changed his attitude, got in line with Scripture, and saw victory in his life. And Paul writes to Timothy later about all this stuff and says, all those afflictions and persecutions and hardships that came to me at Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what, what persecutions I endured, but the Lord delivered me out of them all. What do you mean? His grace is sufficient. But Paul had to start appropriating grace, not just begging God to take the problems away, and he got victory. Well, if that worked for Paul, it'll work for you. You've got to go from praying to saying, from worrying to glorying. Instead of focusing on the problem, focus on the goodness of God to get you out of the problem, the price Jesus paid to set you free from the problem, and then start talking it. The devil hates it when right in the middle of the trouble he throws you away. He hates it when you go, ha, 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 ha. Glory to God. His grace is sufficient for me. That gives the devil a nervous breakdown. He needs a nervous breakdown. All right, so do this. Um, go with me now to Matthew 2. <laughs> All righty, Matthew 2. 
So what we want to talk about in our new series, which this leads us into, is we need to talk about the serious business of joy. I really believe that's the way the Lord gave it to me. We want to talk about the serious business of joy. Right up front, let me just say, I know a lot of people when they hear the word joy, they think of something that happens to them when good things around them start happening or good things to them start happening. They think, wow, if something real good happens, my response is, woohoo! They're looking at joy as a response to good circumstances. But I submit unto you, that is a minute, small, teeny tiny part of joy. Most of what joy is about is a choice and a decision to act like God's word's truth. Let me put it this way. I want you to get this in you today. Joy makes good things happen. Joy is not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's a spiritual force, Galatians 5 says, listed right along with love, joy, peace, long suffering. Joy is something you do on purpose, like love, like long suffering. You don't wait for joy to come to you. It's already in you. If you're a believer, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. It's in you. It can lie dormant and do nothing, or it can rise up. You can develop it and use it. The joy of the Lord is your strength. Hmm? Joy is more of a choice than anything else. And it's a producer, not just a responder. All right, so let's look at Matthew chapter 2 before we read the other scriptures that will back up some of these things I've been saying. I wanted to show you the kind of people that rejoice. I want to show you in God's perspective what it means to be a person of joy. Aren't you glad you can be glad anytime you want in the midst of any darkness, in the midst of any problems? You could go, you know what? I'm going to be glad. You know why? Because you're not a tree. You're a human being made in the image and likeness of God, offspring of God. You can be anything you want to be. And what you be is way more powerful than what you feel. And if you stick with what you be, it'll change what you feel. That's why the Bible said, be glad for the Lord will do great things. Well, as soon as he does them, I'll be glad. Any sinner can do that. You've got to be glad before you see. Because you have his word. And so look here at Matthew chapter 2. We're coming up on the Christmas season, right? Right, church? We're going to celebrate the birth of Jesus. We're not saying he's born on December 25th, but let's celebrate it sometime. Um, So I wanted to show you, because this has to do with what we call the Christmas story. It said, Magi from the east came to worship Jesus. Wise men from the east came to worship him. I want you to notice what happened when they saw the sign of Jesus being born in the sky. The heavens declare the glory of the Lord. Look at verse 10. Go ahead, Lucas. It said, when the wise men saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. (laughs) What do wise men do? Wise men never show emotion. Wise men are, you know, proper. Are you sure you're not getting proper mixed up with starch? (laughs) 
Well, come on. What, what, it said wise men from the east. These guys are kings. Wow, that person's all, look how foolish that person is, laughing over there and, and, and rejoicing and jumping up and down and shouting because of Jesus. Oh, look at that person. No, on, on the contrary, the opposite is true. Wise men do this, foolish people don't. Hmm? Wise men, now if they, look at all these adjectives. When they saw the star pointing to the birth of Jesus, they rejoiced with joy? Great joy? Exceeding great joy. Anybody want to show us what that looks like? Come on, what is exceeding great joy? We know what joy looks like. Glory to God. Exceeding great joy. Ah! Come on, you're in the next realm, I mean. Now, if they rejoice that much when they saw the star pointing to Jesus, what are we doing going around with frowns on our face when we got Jesus in us? We should be the happiest people on this planet. And David said, the joy of your salvation will be a witness unto all people that you're real. Come on, people out there looking for the real thing. We got it. Joy is something the world can't give or take away. I'm not talking about hee-hee-ha-ha, Hollywood laughter, but joy of the Lord, that's supernatural. It's a force. It's a power. Any wise men in here today? (laughs) This This is the kind of joy that when you're done rejoicing like this, your hair's messed up, your clothes are all messed up. Who does this kind of rejoicing? Fools, right? Those foolish little Christians over there. Kings do this kind of thing. David was so happy to recover the presence of God one day that, you know, the Ark of the Covenant, he was so happy that he started dancing out in the street. He threw his coat off. He's out there, and, and his wife, Michelle, or whatever her name was, Saul's daughter, he, she mocked him for doing that. And he said, listen, baby. <laughs> He said, you think this is something? He's talking to his wife. He said, I'll be even more vile than this. I will play before the Lord. We need to have services where we play before the Lord and just have an outright worship service and rejoice for the great things he's promised, has done, going to do. So now turn to um, Proverbs 17. Proverbs 17. And as you're turning there, let me remind you of a scripture in Psalm verse 2. Y'all listening while you're turning? Okay, what are we talking about today? Joy makes good things happen. What do you mean, Pastor? Well, just hang in there and listen. I know you thought joy was only a responder to good things happening. The Bible talks about joy making good things happen. Hmm? Joy in our lives is supposed to be an act of faith, not an act of feeling. Amen. Do you know right now, right now, you can do anything you want to do. You can laugh, you can frown, you can be happy, you can be sad. It's totally up to you. Don't tell me it's up to your circumstances. We already made that clear. You're not a tree. Right? You are made in the image and likeness of God. You can be any way you want to be. And the sad thing about it is we grew up in this world where we're so, people are so feeling dominated and natural circumstance dominated that they had no idea, hey, I'm a child of God. I can actually be joyful by choice and actually change some of these things 
that have been coming against me. Joy is a force. It's a fruit of the Spirit. How many of you walk in love when you feel like it? I do. But how many of you walk in love when you don't feel like it? Nobody. All right. Okay, you do. So, if you walk in love when you don't feel like it, you know, you feel like slapping, but you grow up and say, I'm going to pray instead. You know, you're not a body-ruled person anymore. Well, love, joy, peace, same fruit of the Spirit. You're going to have to walk in joy at times when you don't feel like it. You know, the Lord spoke this to me earlier today in my heart. He said, if you'll tell the people, son, if they'll just smile more, they'll live in a degree of greater health from that moment forward. And I'm going to show you the scripture to back that up. Look at Proverbs 17. First, we'll look at it out of the King James Version, and then we'll look at it out of the basic Bible in basic English. But look at Proverbs 17, 22. If you don't have a Bible, it's up on the screen. God said through Solomon, a merry heart does good like a medicine, but a broken spirit dries the bones. Does our heart attitude have anything to do with our health? Now, I want you to notice this verse. Now, we'll come back to the King James. Put up the BBE if you have it, Lucas. A glad heart makes. Everybody say makes. makes. See, we're talking about joy makes good things happen. Don't ever again underestimate the power of choosing joy. Don't wait for joy to come to you. It's already in you. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's already in you if you're a believer. If you're a Christian, joy is already in you. Don't wait for it to come to you. Stir it up. Act on it. Smile like you got it. Talk like you got it. Why? Because it will make good things happen in your life. It's going to feel unnatural, but if you do it, you'll see the supernatural. A, a glad heart makes a healthy body. <laughs> Glory. Um, I did a little research, and I, I'm not going to get too into this because we want to stay with the scriptures, but UCLA did a study, and they're still doing studies about this. And uh, actually, I can quote you something one of the guys were, were saying. They, um, they've done some study along these lines. And I want to just read you a couple things UCLA said about this. A research and UCLA researchers are hoping that humor will prove to be the magic bullet to help people get healed. A Japanese study published earlier this year in the Journal of the American Medical Association found that skin welts shrank in allergy patients who watched Charlie Chaplin's comedy classic, <laughs> Modern Times. Now, now think about this. If, if this is happening because of natural, what about the supernatural? He says here, one person says, maybe science is starting to catch up to intuition. No, maybe science is probably catching up to the Word of God. Yeah. Right. That a merry heart does good like a medicine. Norman Cousins, uh, this guy who studied these things and actually saw it operate in his own life, uh, he said, you know, I, I took liberal doses of vitamin C and laughter. Marx Brothers films and Candid Camera, the patient laughed his way to successful recovery. Now, we're talking about laughing at natural stuff, but what if you laughed supernaturally because you believed scriptures were true and, and you were just an up person? 
Paul, when his attitude changed from asking God, begging God three times, take these problems away. Oh, what was me? Take these. So you know what? Hey, his grace is sufficient for me. I'm coming out of this. I'd rather glory in my infirmities. It's just an opportunity for God to show up. I know the devil thinks it's an opportunity to wipe me off the face of the earth, but all this is is an opportunity for God to show up. I'm getting through this. And he did. Change his attitude and got victory. But most people are, they'll have attitudes in line with what's happening. We need to have attitudes in line with what God said. That will change happenings that need to be changed. So go back to the King James now. I want to, I want to show you a few things about the King James. I like the King James version of the Bible because it's a word-for-word -word translation. He said, a merry heart does good like a medicine. Now, if you're reading out of your King James Bible, anybody have a King James they're reading out of? Is the word like is italicized in the King James. That means it's not in the original manuscript. So really, this should read like this. A merry heart does good. It is a medicine. It's not just like medicine. It is medicine. A merry heart is medicine to your flesh. Merry about what? Well, numero uno, we're merry about the scriptures that promise us healing, prosperity, deliverance, strength, wisdom, restoration, forgiveness, heaven. Come on now, church. How do you know you really believe in a scripture as opposed to just knowing it? How do you, come on. How do you know you really believe in a scripture? By his stripes, she were healed. How do you know you're really believing? My God shall supply all my need. How do you know you really believe in it? You have a degree of rejoicing about it. Hmm? And this is where we got to get. You got to stay in the word long enough till you get thrilled with what you're hearing and reading. What if I'm not thrilled with what I'm hearing and reading? Cut the TV out for a while. Get yourself in the Word. Because when joy is coming out of you because of something you believe, that's when things start to change in your life. Say this, I. I'm going to smile more. Turn to your neighbor and try it out. <laughs> Glory! Sometimes you just got to laugh because you believe something, not because you feel something. Right. Psalm 2, you ready? The enemies of God came against his anointed. They said, we're going to kill you. We're going to destroy you. And the next verse says, he that sits in the heavens shall laugh. Right. And he shall have them in derision. In other words, in mockery. Laughing stock. Oh, come on, church. Did you hear that? We have been raised with Christ, seated together with him in heavenly places. We sit in the heavens. Yeah. Well, if our father laughs at the enemy, yeah. and we're supposed to be imitators of God as dear children, it's not natural. It's not going to feel like it. But if we'll laugh at what God's laughing at, we'll see victory. Yeah. And they did. Psalm 2. He that sits in the heavens shall laugh. He had them in derision, and then they were wiped out. The enemies of the Lord, those bent on destruction. Now, I know this is a little heavy for a Sunday morning, but we're in the last day, so let me go ahead and say it. It's heavy in a fun way. The Bible says in the book of Job, at destruction and at famine, you shall laugh. 
He didn't say just laugh in times of famine, in times of recession. He said laugh at it. Why? Because that stuff's an enemy. And God's greater. And he's got the victory for you. Latch on to it. Believe. Amen. I look through the scriptures. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, there's a time to laugh. There's a time to laugh. And it's usually when you don't feel like it. Do you ever notice the scripture? God loves a cheerful giver. <laughs> Whoever thought of being happy while you're giving. The Bible says count it all joy when you fall. It's not joyful, but you've got to count it all joyful when you fall into diverse tests and trials. That's not going to, you're not going to feel like laughing when you just fall into a test or a trial, but he said do it. Why? Because you're a child of God. Yep. Amen? Yep. And you're not moved to and fro by these things. We're moved by the word. That's right. yeah. At destruction, at famine, at recession, laugh at it. Well, in closing, turn to Joel chapter... Actually, turn to Habakkuk for time's sake. Go to Habakkuk. And we'll close here today, but we'll start some more of this next week if, as the Lord leads. Um, everybody say, I'm going to smile more. <laughs> Absolutely. So everybody say this, I. I'm going to take my medicine. Ha, ha, ha. Quickly go back to Proverbs uh, 17, 22. Let me just show you. The Bible says a merry heart is a medicine. A glad heart makes a healthy body. When do you take medicine? After you feel better? Well, sure. I mean, this is even preventative medicine. But when do you take medicine mostly? When you feel bad. When you feel down. When you're not feeling well, right? Oh, if we could just get people to take their medicine. Pastor, I'm real. I'm real. I'm not going to laugh when I feel, feel terrible. I'm not going to go ha, ha, ha when I have a sickness in my body or my child's body. Well, all right, honey, I know the medicine doesn't taste real good right now, but we encourage you, honey, take your medicine. No, I don't want to act happy. I don't want to. I hurt. I'm being real. I'm being real. You're being real aware of your body right. and hardly at all aware of God. I just don't want to take it. And I know you've heard my testimony with Rachel. When she was a little toddler, she had, you know, we had to give her medicine one time. And it was, the, it was actually the good tasting kind, the Tylenol that was liquid, you know. And, I mean, she's, what, four years old, three years old, something. But we would put the medicine in her mouth, and it'd be all over us, man. One second later, we'd put medicine, and she'd have a fever. And we'd been praying and believing God. And so we're believing the Lord to help work through it. And she just would not take it. So we said, Rachel, we're going to the hospital. They're going to inject you with a needle, and you're going to get this medicine one way or the other. And she said, so let's go. I was like, God, what? Come on, it's not that bad. I mean... And, and she, would, she would drink it, and, and it was the hardest thing to get her to take medicine. Yeah. Reminds me a lot of church people. It's the hardest thing in the world to get people to laugh mm. and to rejoice in the Word of God when they're not feeling well. Because they're going, well, I'm just real. I'm just being re real carnal. All caught up with the physical only. Is there something greater than the pain in your body? Yes. You know... When it comes to cancer and, and these diseases that, that, that have killed people in the past, do you know something? If you can't laugh at that thing, it shows you have faith in it. 
And you don't want any faith in that thing that's trying to kill you. You want zero faith in cancer. You want zero faith in diabetes. If you can't laugh at it, it shows you have faith in it. And you don't want to have faith in that junk. You want to have faith in God, your healer. Amen? So, uh, Habakkuk chapter 3. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Habakkuk chapter 3. Anybody happy today? <laughs> you say, well, Pastor, you don't know what I've been through. Well, listen, I don't know what you've been through, but I know we've all gone through some similar stuff. And, and you're going to be tempted to stay in that mess. I'm trying to get you through it. I'm trying to get you to the other side. God's bigger. He's bigger than depression. He's bigger than fear. He's bigger than lack. He's bigger than any financial attack. He's greater than sickness. He's greater than disease. He's greater than all of these. And more. He's greater. And he's your father. And he loves you. But he can't receive for you. And whether you realize it or not, 1 Peter chapter 1 says that when you're rejoicing because of what you believe, you are in the receiving mode. While you're rejoicing, you are receiving. If your rejoicing is hooked up with what you believe God said, promises, scriptures. Believing you rejoice, receiving the end of your faith. Anybody want to receive the end of your faith? Do you want your faith to turn to sight? then you gotta, you got to be a rejoicer in what God said. Yeah. I believe this scripture, and I believe it's true. And, and you're not always going to feel like laughing. You're not always going to feel like rejoicing. Right. Come on. But you just get yourself, like Carla said, by the ear, and you say, it's time to laugh. Amen. Ha, 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 Laugh at the problem and rejoice that the promises are true. Yeah. Rejoice by choice. The Lord told me to tell some of you here today, if you'd smile more, you'd walk in a higher degree of health. All right, we've got to close. Habakkuk, quickly, chapter 3, and the last three verses. So, he's talking about the people's businesses. Although the fig tree shall not blossom. That's not good if you're into the fig tree business. <laughs> Neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive is going to fail. Fields yield no meat. Flocks shall be cut off from the fold. And there's no money in the bank. Oh, excuse me. There shall be no herd in the stalls. So what do most people do in a situation like this? <laughs> I'm on Facebook. Oh, you don't know the woes that I've seen. Oh, it's so terrible. Oh, put a picture of the tear. And oh, help me, people. Go fund me, please. Help me. Take, take care of me. Oh, woe is me. Oh, woe is me. Well, if God's not taking care of you, why should I? <laughs> Thank you, my brother. <laughs> I'm not against GoFundMe. Just be led by the Spirit, not by tears. Right. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, all these things are not working. What's the, re what's the response of the born-again believer? Next verse. Yet, well, I rejoice in the Lord. Glory to God! I will rejoice in the Lord! My God! He's my salvation, my healing, my deliverance. Come on. 
what if you don't rejoice? What if you stay in the worry mode? Then you're on a road where God's blessing ain't. It's not about, a, about God withholding. It's about people being on the wrong road. You experience certain things if you go down this road, and you experience certain things if you go down this road. And it's not God withholding if you're on the wrong road. Hey, that's a good word. It's not God withholding if you're on the wrong road. I will rejoice. Okay, next verse. The Lord God is my strength. He'll make my feet like the hind's feet. He'll make me to walk upon my high places. One translation says he'll make me to walk on the heights. Faith heights. All right. The chief singer of string dancers. Praise God. Let's stand up, church. Let's rejoice by choice. Hey, listen, listen, listen. You may have made some mistakes. You may have, been, you may have sinned last night. Whatever. God will forgive you. God will cleanse you. Just believe that what his word said is true. It's for you. He forgives all your iniquities. He heals all your diseases. He redeemed your life from destruction. If you believe that, you're going to smile. I said, if you believe that, you're going to smile. Glory to God.